Good morning. How you guys doing? Feels like it's been a while. Since, it's almost been a month since I've been up here. Um, and I would like to say I was totally prepping for um, the last three weeks, but I wasn't. I was just like chilling out and just enjoying, you know, listening to the guest speakers and and um, just enjoying um, not having to think about preparing stuff, you know, and um, just dealing with stuff with work and different things like that. But I've been, um, there's been two things that God has been kind of, um, putting on my heart for the last couple of weeks. And, and, um, uh, there's, I'm going to talk about the other one next week. I think it's kind of, a um, it's not going to be in the same vein as what we're doing with this, but it's, it's going to be kind of a, um, uh, a prophetic, um, word over us in, in, a, in a prophetic message over us, not just, a um, a, a one-time thing, but it's, it's going to be very, very cool. Um, so I'm not going to tell you anything else about it, but, uh, you guys will have to, uh, be here next week. If you're not, we're not going to record it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, um, so the one thing that God has been, um, really on my heart, um, lately, uh, and this has been, um, leadership asking me things. He goes, where, where do you see yourselves going? Where do you see yourselves, um, becoming and, and what, you know, um, two years ago, someone asked me, what, what do you want the church to look like? And I, and I really didn't know what that meant. Um, well, I knew what it meant, but I didn't, I didn't have a clear vision of what I wanted it to look like. And we don't always have an exact vision of what God wants it to be. He gives us bits and he gives us pieces of what he wants us to do. He, uh, a lot of times we're not ready to handle what he wants us to do. So he gives us little glimpses, little glimpses and little glimpses. And then what he does is then when we get there, he's like, hey, surprise, remember what I showed you? Now look around. You're like, oh, that's what it is, you know? And, and so sometimes we don't understand where God is taking us. And sometimes we don't understand what he's showing us. And sometimes we don't have a complete vision of what we're supposed to be doing. But he gives us little pieces and little pieces and then big pieces and then little pieces. And then he fits it all together. Our lives are kind of like a puzzle and God knows exactly what pieces need to go where. It's like, you know, a lot of times when we do puzzles, we start at the corners because that's the easiest. It's flat. We'll just start here and we'll work our way through it. And then you get to the middle and it's like that winter scene and it's all snow and you're like, um, and then you get like six people together to do a spot this big because you can't figure out which pieces fit together. That's our lives a lot of times. And God's like, I know where you're going. I know what you're doing. I'm the corner. I know exactly where it fits together. I'm going to start you in the, and then I'm going to work you uh, work it out through you. So when they ask me, what, what do you have a, a vision for? What do you want to see this? I'm like, I want to, I want to see this. And I'm explaining to them where I want to take it and, and where I believe God is, is leading us as a church to go. Um, you know, we're not going to be, uh, I mean, if you look around, we're, we're in a small town. I don't, in my mind, and what God has really shown me is this, is we are not going to be a church of thousands. But, and, and here's why is we have a church, a church, a smaller church in this community. We have um, great people. We have great leaders. We have, we have great um, programs, but those aren't everything. God has to give us a vision for where he wants us to go. And, and not just me and my wife to direct and lead this church, but in each one of us, God has given us a vision. And so ministry leaders and, and volunteers and, and, and God is going to give you ideas and, and vision of ways to grow in your walk with him. But what you do is when he gives you a, a way, a, a growth spot to walk with him, 
He gives you ideas to help further the, the, the kingdom and further the cause of what you're, what you're at. So if you're in set up and tear down or if you're in whatever ministry you're in, God is going to give you ideas for that because what he's doing is he's growing you and he's going to give you ideas to change things. If you ever notice that, um, and if for you who don't take change well, Sarah and I change up everything really, really quick a lot of times and it'll be on the fly and you'll just be like, you know, mercy lasts because she struggled with it for years. I mean, like we had changed something. She just stared at us like, why are you doing this? I need my routine. Her and Remington get along well because mercy needs her routine. Like mercy has to do this at a certain time. And she would just like, why are you not doing this? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's okay. We, we know what we're doing. And so God gives us ideas and, and different ways for us to grow. He will show us what we need to do to grow our, our, in our personal walk with Him, in our personal lives, but also in, as a church, how we can grow. Where, where we lack things. And, and sometimes we don't see things because we don't, we're not always, um, aware of it. So we have to say, okay, hey, does anybody see anything else that we can do better or we can do, um, in a more excellent way? And so we have, God gives us this vision and that vision has to be something that is, tangible we have to say okay god you've given me a, a vision and we can't just hold on hold on to it and say okay you've given me this idea and you give me this 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 vision and this purpose to to go and do this but and we hold on to it we have to go with it we have to we have to to um do put it into action because faith without action is just just hoping that it happens Faith, faith is basically is this, is believing that God has done something and what happens is action goes and says, you know, I have full confidence in God. We can trust in God. And people call faith trust in God. Trusting in God and having faith in God are two, are, are, are two different things. We can trust that God's going to come back and He's going to, that He created the heavens. But faith takes us and says, you know what? I, faith says, you know, I know God is not a liar. I know He's going to do what He says He's going to do and I'm going to put action behind it. Because faith says, go do something with it instead. And trust just says, I'm just going to sit here and wait for it. So God says, if you have faith in me, start to do something with that faith. Start to do something with that talent, that gift that I've given you. Um, so we have to say, okay, where do, where do we grow? How do we grow as people in our walk with God? But how do we take our walk with God and bring that into the body of Christ, into the kingdom, and say, how do I, how do I implement that so we can do the work of, of the ministry. How do we do that so we can grow as a church, grow as people, grow as fa- a family, grow as a community into what God wants us to do or what, how he wants us to look? Okay, so I'm going to get to my message now. And uh, so when we look at early church life, we see um, in Acts 2, we see immediate church growth. You guys turn to Acts 2 for me. I've probably covered this scripture, but you'll like to hear it again, trust me. It's right after Acts 1. And um, yeah, just to let you guys know that. You missed my sarcasm, didn't you? Okay. So we look at Acts 2 and, and it talks about the Holy Spirit pouring himself out into uh, the disciples and into people in the upper room. All right, so I can actually find it now, now that I lost my spot. Okay, so verse 41. 
Acts chapter 40, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's good church growth right there. That's quick church growth. That's awesome church growth. Yes, oh, we just had added 3,000 people to our church. Okay. <laughs> and the person that does offerings, like, and, and according to them, how do we do this? What do we manage? How do we manage this? You know, they're like, oh no, what do we do? I don't know what to do. We've got 3,000 extra people that are now gathering around us. What do we do? How do you facilitate that? Like, who's in charge of meals? You know, you're like, oh crap, I'm in charge of meals and I, or I'm in charge of, uh, you know, the parking lot. How do I take care of that? You know, it's like, <gasps> you know, so we, we see that early church growth was rapid. Early church growth was like, not just like, hey, we multiplied. We like, you know, we didn't just get like 10 extra people. We had 3,000 extra people. So, the church was growing rapidly and, and there was a, a huge sense of community. There was a huge sense of unity. And they were committed to a lot of things. They were committed to meeting together. They were committed to growing together. And, and one thing it does say is they were committed to the teaching of the apostles. They were committed to the teaching that they had learned from Jesus Christ. So what it was is it wasn't just people like, oh, yeah, I, I love God. I'm saved. I'm baptized now. And I come to church. It was that they were so committed to finding out what Jesus had said that they had actually put it down in the Bible. It, it, if you look at it, the Bible did, doesn't always just explain random details. It, a lot of times it, it does a surface overview of, and especially in Acts, it doesn't really get into a lot of um, about the early church. It tells about it, but it doesn't give you every detail. It doesn't say, hey, they all lived in this area and there was 10 people in this tent and there was 10, and then it doesn't explain that, but it explains basic details and it says they were all in unity and they were all dedicated to the teaching of the apostles. So the church was growing rapidly. There were living together, eating together, working together, giving to each other and giving to people in need. So there, he's having fun. Um, so there was such a huge um, influx of people that what was happening is, is that they they didn't even know how to handle it. They they had such a um, huge growth and such a, a a huge desire to understand what the scripture says. They wanted to know what Jesus had said. They wanted to know what was going on. They had twelve they had twelve apostles. Excuse me, eleven apostles. And they were teaching them, and they were they were trying to organize things and trying to direct the church and direct them as best as you can imagine. Can you imagine having twelve guys who had been, or yeah, eleven guys who had been with Jesus? They add a twelfth one, and these eleven guys who have been with Jesus. Imagine the amount of work they had to. First of all, they had three thousand extra added to the church. Not to mention anybody that had already been with Jesus. And everybody thinks, oh, well, the early church was just 12, was the 12. No, it wasn't. There was hundreds that had followed Jesus, heard Jesus, and so there's already people there. But then the day of Pentecost comes, and there's more people and more people, and they're just like, and they're thinking, uh, do we need more bread? Do we need more fishes today? Because this is going to, you know, like the, their person that's in charge of like the meals is like, oh man, this is, we're in trouble. I haven't planned for this many, you know, and, um, so they're really they're really growing rapidly. You know, they're growing in faith, they're growing in, in their understanding of the kingdom. And I think 
for us, so many times we get involved in the church mindset of I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get involved in church, but we, we forget to under, we forget to start to understand, excuse me, learn and be taught and understand what the kingdom of God is. We need to start to understand what the kingdom of God is and, and what that means when we talk about the kingdom. When we talk about heaven on earth, we need to start to understand that. They started, they lived that. Those apostles lived that and what they did is they taught people because there was rapid growth, there was miracles, there was signs, there was wonders that were happening because this pe- these people had been there on the day of Pentecost. So they were committed to the apostles' teaching. They understood the benefit of teaching. They understood the benefit of that apostle getting up and talking. You know, whether it was John or Peter or whoever it was, they 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 would sit and they'd be captivated by the teaching because you got to understand these guys aren't teaching out of what we're we're reading. They're teaching out of their um, their time with Jesus and the influence of the Holy Spirit. So think about this: they didn't have. Acts. They didn't have any of these books to go back and say, okay, this is how we should do it. This is how we should do it. They were being guided by the Holy Spirit. They were being led by the Holy Spirit to teach what Jesus had taught them. Now, you know, I don't know what, what Jesus had taught them on a regular basis because we see bits and we see pieces of, of their time with Jesus and him, him speaking to them. So we don't know all the, 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 the discipleship that went into their, um, their training with Jesus. I mean, they spent three years with him, but we don't know all of that. So they're, they're going back on what Je- they're being reminded of what Jesus is, is teaching. They had accountability with each other and they're like, man, oh, I, I want to teach it this way. And one of them's like, no, remember how Jesus said it? He said it this way. And they're, they're being reminded of what Jesus is doing or excuse me, what Jesus had done. And so, and what he had taught them. So they're, they're like, okay, we're going to teach these people because without Without some kind of foundation, uh, Debbie actually posted that picture for me um, a couple of days ago, and it showed a church, and the edge, of, and the, the doors are sitting here, and the rest of it is off the edge of the cliff. And it showed people coming in the door, but it showed them falling off the bottom, falling off the bottom, falling off the bottom. And without discipleship, without spending that time with that person and saying, you know, I don't know enough, and I need help with this. See, that, that's what. That's where we have to get out of that, that, um, idea of when I go to church and I'm whatever, you know, I'm, I'm 25, I should know more than a 12 year old. Or when I'm 50, I should know more than a, than, than a 20 year old. Discipleship doesn't stop when, it doesn't start when you're a little kid and then end like, hey, you're 20, now you're discipled, let's go. Discipleship starts throughout the years. It starts, it can start early in life, later in life. But what it does is this, is it joins you together with people and to say, hey, I need someone to teach me the Word of God. I need someone to walk with me and to train me how to walk like Jesus did. These people, the early church, they understood the benefit of teaching because what it was is they knew that without that teaching, they were going to fall out of the bottom. They knew, man, there was something different about the, Jesus. They knew there was something different about these, these apostles. And what they did is they knew that there was a benefit to it because they saw the, the change in people's lives and they said, I need this. I want this. You know, I was, I was talking with Sarah a while back and I said, you know, I can't imagine if we were discipled in our early twenties, like we should have been 
where we would be now. And I'm not looking at now, ah, blah, blah, blah. This is, I wish we'd been. No, I'm just saying, I was saying to her, man, if when we got married in our early 20s, and she was 19 and I was 21, if we had taken, someone had taken us and actually discipled us instead of just thrown us into something and said, here, here you go. Learn, do on the job training. Yes, there's, there is some on the job training with, with doing ministry, but if someone had taken that time and said, you know what? I want to sit down with you. I want to teach you. I want to walk with you where we would have been in the progression of this church, in the progression of my life, in the progression of her life, my family, my kids, where we would have been because, but no one took the time. I mean, people came along and said, Hey, we love you. Blah, blah, blah. I encourage you. But what happened is, is no one actually sat down and said, I'm going to, I'm going to spend this time with you and I'm going to teach you. Church cannot be coming to Sunday and that's church. Church doesn't just happen on a Sunday. Church happens on whatever day. Church has to has to be beyond just a Sunday word encouraging. You know that's why we really encourage Wednesdays because Wednesdays will will take you into an understanding of what the Word of God says and how He operates and and his, and how we are supposed to function as a body together. It may be something simple as just you know understanding who God is, and it may be something. Um, it may go into to more things like the Holy Spirit, but it's it's that simple time of spending that time together. And most of the time, it's maybe fifteen of us, twenty of us together, and what it is. But we get to spend that time to listen to teaching and understand. I mean, my my wife's been teaching for the last couple of weeks, and it's really really cool because I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. You know, just things that I've known, but she's explaining in a better way. So I can understand what they, what she's saying and how, and how God operates. And yes, my wife is discipling me in some things. Um, and, and it's really cool because there's things that we all, there's always things that we are going to learn about God. There's always things that we're going to know, um, about God, but it's like, well, I know this, but we don't know the, the why about it. So sometimes it's, it's great to hear teaching and, and that way we can say, oh, now I understand why God moves this way or why god does this god doesn't move without rhyme and reason god has rhyme and reason for everything he does okay so we look at the early church and they they spent time with discipleship that discipleship was huge because without discipleship there is no foundation when you don't have a foundation you just kind of get thrown around whatever comes up oh i'll go here now i'll go here and then I'll, i'll i'll go around here so discipleship is huge for, for creating that foundation of who God is, who He created you to be, and how you, as His son or daughter, can live. Turn to Acts 4. No, you don't have to. 4.32, and it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone... Excuse me. Neither, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed were his own, but they all had things in common. Okay, so what this is saying is, is when they were all, they, they had such a, a close-knit group, they had such a family group, that basically what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. And I'm not saying I'm going to come to your house and just take your stuff, but um, if you will let me, I mean, I will. If no, no one tells me no, I'll do it. I mean, it's... So they had such a, a spirit of giving and generosity in that group of people. They had such a, a um, 
a care for each other that was basically there was no need. They had no need in the in their community, and I don't mean. And what it says is community, and what they were saying is their community of believers. There wasn't a believer who was struggling with food, financial, whatever. They were giving to each other in that way. So within that community of believers, they were taking care of each other. And so as a community of believers, we need to do that. We need to take care of each other. When one is struggling, we step in and say, hey, how can I help you? Whether it's spiritual or financial or, or physical or whatever it is, we step in and say, hey, how can we help you? We see a need and we go and say, how do we help you get out of this? How do we help you grow? How do we help you get the healing you need? Whatever it is, we as a community need to do that. So what's really cool about the early churches is this, is they were being trained by the, the apostles. They were being taught by the apostles how they needed to do things and in Acts 5.41, it says they never stopped talking about Jesus. They never stopped talking about Him. 5.41 says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for a shame. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. Amen. Yeah. So, they spent every day in the in the temple, in the houses, talking to people. And it wasn't just like, hey, we're going house to house telling people about Jesus. They, yes, they were doing that, but what it was happening is they were spending that time with people saying, man, this is what Jesus did for my life. This is who Jesus is. This is the, He is the Son of God. He is our King. He is the, the Lamb that was slain. Um, but what they did was they started to grow as a community and people actually started i was reading something about them and they actually started to when it first started out there was um by 300 uh, ad there was about a million christians um but in the in the early like 80 33 to 100 they were they were growing and, and they were growing rapidly but what happened was is this is the romans started to persecute them but what was happening a lot of the the different cultures we're starting to see how honest they were, how loving they were, how kind they were in their business dealings, and also when they were, um, excuse me, when they were buying and they were selling. So what they did is they they would look and say, man, these they would actually be um, converted to Christianity because they realized how honest these people were and how uh, how um, good they were in their business dealings, and they were trustworthy that they didn't have to be worried about being swindled when they bought or sold to them. So, we look at the early church and they were discipling people and they were, their culture was changing. The culture was changing because of what was happening. You know, you get 3,000 people in, saved, born again, what do you do with them? The disciples are like, uh, we need more people. You know, if you got 3,000 people, that, that's, and you got 300 people before that, that's 10 to every person. So, the disciples are like, okay, we need to grow these people. We need to disciple these people. We need to, to have them understand the kingdom of God and, and who Jesus is. But the church leadership was getting overwhelmed. They were getting to a point where they couldn't even handle um, the, the normal things. So they decided to find, and it says this in Acts 6, it says they find men who are full of the Holy Spirit to help. And it says the amount of disciples were growing daily. 
That means not just the church was growing, but people who were being discipled were growing daily. That means they wanted to know who Christ was. They wanted to operate with the power of the Holy Spirit. They wanted to, to um, have power. And they wanted to, to witness to people. So it's not just the church is growing. It says disciples are growing. And when the disciples are growing, that means they're being trained, that they're being taught. So the apostles are overwhelmed. The church leadership is overwhelmed. They say, hey, we have to appoint... We're going to take some time and we're going to appoint seven people. It's not a bad problem that they're overwhelmed. That means they're growing and that people are, are, are in need of things and need change and need help and need to take care of things. And basically what was happening is the Greek, uh, the Greek converts thought that the widows, the Greek widows and orphans were not being taken care of like the Jewish ones were. So they said, okay, let's take care of this. Let's find seven people. Seven men who are who are honorable, who are filled with the Spirit, and, and let's take them and let's bring them in and have them help and serve, take care of these needs so we can worry about, or not worry about, but focus on studying the Word and finding out what God is telling us to do to lead this church. So this is a good problem to solve. We need, okay, we're, we're growing so fast that we, we can't meet the needs of people. And we're, we're like, okay, how do we fix this? So let's, let's get seven guys who we know are full of the Holy Spirit and let's put them into, to a position of, to be able to help the church. So the, the, the apostles oversee, they, they bring these seven in and they said, okay, you guys go do the work of the ministry. We'll continue to oversee and the needs of the, or oversee the church and, and continually to study the Word, but they needed people to help take over and help lead in areas that they couldn't do that. So, as a church, we have to look and say, okay, where where do we fit into, you know, because our church is not going to look like this church, and our church is not going to look like every other church. But we should have some of the same key aspects of of people being born again, people being filled with the Spirit, people being discipled. And that is the mark of a true church when there's power in that church and people's lives are being changed. So we are kingdom people. We should have kingdom goals. We should have kingdom ideas. We should have kingdom mindsets. We should be like, okay, this is what the early church was doing. How do we do this? How do we take care of this? And so we should never stop moving forward or stop going and telling people of what God did, what He's done. And we need to continue to proclaim who God is. I think sometimes we get so comfortable in our, our, our Christianese style living that we forget to tell people what God has done. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a, 20 minutes, it can just be, man, God did this for me today and it was awesome. You know, there's just times where we get to share just a, a quick blurb, man, oh, man, this was going on, but man, God did this and, and He changed everything th- this week. So we need to never stop moving forward and never stop telling people of what God is doing and proclaiming His kingdom on this earth. Everything that God does is for you and for His kingdom. God doesn't do things in our lives just for you. He does it for His kingdom. So His kingdom will be known. And that, oh, this happened to me today. I got 
set free of this. God's kingdom was just made known by us telling people of what He's done. Everything that God does for you is His kingdom manifesting on earth. Everything that God changes in your life, everything that He takes away, everything that He takes away, the doubt, depression, whatever it is, anything He releases you out, He brings you out of, is for His kingdom to be known on earth. So that way, when you're saying, man, I dealt with this five years from now, you might deal with somebody and you're like, man, I, God brought me out of this and He's brought me out into a new place and I don't deal with that anymore. We should never stop believing that we will receive from God, never stop proclaiming His goodness, and never stop loving people like Jesus loved them. Do we want, if we want to see growth in in our lives, growth in our church, growth in, in our, our walks with God, we need to never stop telling people about what God is doing. You know, we were, um, I'm going to use Sarah and I, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and Sarah's like, I need this, I need this, and I need this. I need to pay the propane, I need to pay um, the bills, and I need to buy a pig. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and to pay for my life insurance, because she loves me. Yeah. And it falls on her birthday. So, She's like, okay, I need this, I need this amount, and I need this amount, and I need this amount. And she's like, she's like, I'm telling God, God, when are you going to take care of this? God, when are you going to take care of this? And I need you to take care of this, and I need you to take care of this. And he's, and you know, she's just doing her whiny, pouty thing when she gets upset. Sometimes, love her. You know. <laughs> she says that with a smiley face, and you know it's not. Um, and we were, we were just, and she's like. Well, and I'm like, okay, I said, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. I said, we know this is coming and this is coming and we know they take care of. So we're like, okay, how do we take care of this? So, you know, um, within four days, our van sells. Um, the person we're buying the pig from says, we're going to give it to you. And then, um, the rest of the money comes in. And I said, um, what did you need? She goes, I needed this amount. I said, well, I got this amount. She's like, Okay, that works. And it was exactly what we needed to say. This is this and this is completely wiped off the map. God is, is, is taking care of us. God doesn't, you could say, oh, it's just coincidence, but God takes care of one bill exactly the same amount, the next thing exactly the same amount of what we would need, and then the rest of everything that we need shows up. That's not just a coincidence. That is God saying, my hand is on you. You are my child. I'm going to take care of you. Dave talked about it last week. Whatever is on his table, we have access to take off of his table and say, this is my need, God. I need this. Bring it and take it off of his table. Because he's a good father. He loves us. And he says, you know what? I want you to have what you need. There was a, a quote a couple of weeks ago and it said, without need, there's not a need for faith in God. If we don't have need in our life, there's no need to trust God. If we never have a need, uh, something that comes up and says, man, I need God to, to come through on this. Why do we need God? So without a, a simple little need of, man, I need, I need some extra money to pay a light bill or I need uh, a little bit of extra money to, to, you know, for gas, whatever it is, that gives us an opportunity to say to God, man, God, I need this. And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to take care of that. All you got to do is have faith in me. So without a need, we don't have, we don't, if we had no need, if there was no need among, uh, among us, if there was nothing that we needed in our lives, where would we be without faith in God? We wouldn't even need to look at Him and say, oh, I just got enough money. I got enough of this. I don't need any of this. I don't need to trust God for anything. And so we say, 
Oh, I wish I just had all the money in the world because if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. And, and I look and say, you know what? I would rather not have all the money in the world because then how do I proclaim that God's kingdom is coming through in my life without Him meeting the need and having overflow in my life to be able to bless people? You know, that, that pig that someone gave us was a blessing. That would have been money out of our pocket, but someone gave it and said, hey, we just want to give this to you. And in my mind, it's like, man, now I can... I can take what I was going to and either sow it into the kingdom or bless somebody else and just say, hey, we'll take care of this for you. And I, and I believe that's a, it's an earmark of the, of the early church is when you go through and you look at Acts, man, it sticks out that they loved people and they gave things to people and they took care of people because they knew that God was going to provide for them. Because every need that they had was being met by other people because God was, was laying on the hearts of that, pe- on the, that person, take care of that need, give that to the cellular and buy this for them, take care of this. And so when we look, we, we can look through Acts and we say, you know what? They loved people, they gave everything they had to people, and they took care of people. I'm not telling you to give up everything. Don't sell everything tonight when you get home. Don't put everything on Craigslist when you get home. I'm just saying, when God moves on your heart, listen to Him. And do what he's asking you to do. So as we grow in our in our walk with God and in our in our time with God and as a disciple, we have to start saying, "Okay, God, you're growing me, but when do now I have to go do something?" There's an earmark uh, between being born again and going, and it's called growing. And we have to start growing in our in our walk with God and our in our discipleship with God and being discipled by a person so we can go do what He's asked us to do. Because without that, we're just like, I love Jesus. <laughs> you ever met that really flaky person and they just, they don't know how, they don't know anything and they're just like, I love Jesus. And you're like, yeah, I do too. You're weird. Stay away from me. And you know, you've met that random person in the store and they come up to you and you're like, I love Jesus. And you're like, let me tell you about him. I'm like, uh, I'd rather not you tell me about him right now because you're a little scary. Sarah does it sometimes. Um, what a lot of that is is this, and don't get me wrong, that enthusiasm is great, and that is a heart for God and a love for God, but a lot of time un, untrained and unchained enthusiasm can be freaky. God did not call us to be freaky and weird. He called us to be normal and, and to love and to be excited about God. So from being born again to going and doing what God has asked you to do, discipleship is, is a huge thing, and we need that. We need that time with people to, tr- to train us. You know, even now, I don't just sit there, oh, I've got it all together. No, the leaders that you got, the speakers that we've come, have brought in, these people are people who speak into our lives. They, they teach us things. Like I, we'll sit there and we just ask them questions. We, we're probably like, why? Well, you know, we act like a, we're, we're like three-year-olds when we're around them. We're like, why? 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 How about now? And, and for them, They've done it so long. They have the wisdom. So we can say, why? And, and, and then they disciple us. Discipleship never stops. It's just something that we have to continually grow in. Because when we do, we see a change. And then when God asks us to go, we are fully equipped to go instead of just walking around, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. It's kind of like the Christian radio station, Jesus Bible God. Um, and it's... It's key for discipleship. And if you, and if God is really laying that on your heart, seek it out. If you want to know more, seek it out because He says, those who seek will find. 
If you don't seek, you're not going to find anything. If you're like, I'm curious about it, but you don't go look for it, look at it or look for it, how are you going to find it? It's like my daughter, Layla. I'm going to use you as an example. Smile. There you go. Um, she's um, a lot like me, and she wonders about everything, and like we'll just be driving down the road. She's like, I wonder about this, Dad. I wonder about this. And I'm like, yeah. And like... We'll just be sitting there. She'll be like, what about this? And she'll just look up random things on the internet and like, look at this, dad. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And, and, but be inquisitive, be wondering about God. And if you, you have that, start asking God, what do you want me to do with, with my, my, my questions? Because there's people around that will spend that time with you, that will disciple you, will give you the word of God and give you that time and grow you because that's what we're, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to just sit around and say, okay, we, we gather on a Sunday and, yep, it's good. We had a good Sunday and then we go. We, it has to be a continual everyday thing, every week, every uh, day, and just say, hey, struggling with this. Oh, by the way, this is how you deal with this. Or, hey, I want to know more about this subject in the Bible. Or I want to know more about what it talks about about the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is what we'll do. So, if God is is putting that on your heart, seek that out. Seek that out because it will grow you. And when God grows you, He's going to say, go, do the work of the ministry. Because I, if I hold on to you, not like Zach hugs me, but like, but like if I say, okay, this person is fully ready to go and do the work of the ministry and, and fully discipled, then I just say, sit in the back. What am I doing? I'm holding on to something. And I need to, if, if something is growing, you have to, you have to water it. You have to, to weed it. You have to do those things. But when someone is fully discipled and I just say, okay, sit in the back and don't put them into a, a, a role or into a place where they can minister to people, I'm holding them back. And that, that, what that does is it puts a glass ceiling on them. Oh, you can only get this far. So we have to take people and say, you know, what? I'm going to disciple you and we're going to go and we're going to send you to do what you've been called to do. We're going to send you to do what is on your heart, what God has asked you to do. Let's pray.